Life is a journey, just like our video introduced, and having great friends around you is part of that process. We're going to be in Proverbs this morning, so I hope you've got your Bibles and will turn with me there. We'll be there in just a moment. Text will be on the screen uh, as, as well. There's a lot of ministry going on. This is summertime, and uh, if you were out this weekend, you probably felt like it was summertime. It was a little warm, uh, a little sweaty if you were outside for a little while. Uh, but uh, we've got a lot of cool things going on, like VBS, which begins tonight. How exciting. Uh, it's always a, a joy to hang out with our young children and to teach them the story of Jesus Christ in ways that they fully comprehend, that they can get involved in. Uh, and so I appreciate so much Tana and Elise and uh, all of their crew putting together all the visuals that you see. Uh, I've been excited to be here and see what this might look like because I've heard I'm going to be preaching out of a cave this morning, and so here we have our cave. Uh, exciting times, though. You know, it's not too late to register your kids, like Kale said. Uh, we want you to have those, those guys and gals here to be a part of this event. It'll go all the way through Wednesday night. Um, and uh, if you're an adult, maybe you've got some time to spare, you want to be a part of that as a volunteer, and we'd encourage you to come back, and even if you haven't signed up or talked to anyone, just show up, and we'll put you to work doing something. It's going to be a great time to be with our kids uh, and teach them the story of Christ. Today is also um, our monthly 10-minute party, and that's the moment in time where the staff wants to give you the opportunity to come and talk to us, and so right after service is over, uh, they'll be, we'll be, all be right up here on stage uh, in this general area. Uh, so maybe you're new here, maybe you've only been attending a few weeks and you've got some questions about Crosspoint, or maybe you've just never really met us, and we'd love, love to have you come up front and have those discussions to talk about some things, and, and we'd love to meet you as well. And so that's right after service is over uh, for 10 minutes, right up here on stage. We hope that you'll join us there. We just finished up a series on temptation, and the next series kind of evolved out of that series as we talked about temptation and, and having people kind of around you and on your side that will help you move through and journey through life uh, better, more like what Christ wants us to. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about our friends and how our friends really cultivate and move us through life. Uh, we can choose either direction to go. We've got a fork in the road, if you will, and uh, we can surround ourselves with folks who have uh, been making some poor life decisions, or we can choose to surround ourselves with folks who have the same goals in mind that we do, and that's living that ignited lifestyle over there, the lifestyle that God's called us to do. And I want those type of people in my life. And so we're going to unpack Scripture over this next few weeks and just take a look at how God's called us to live in community uh, with one another. It's interesting, in John chapter 17 uh, is one of the lengthy prayers that Jesus prays for all his disciples. And toward the end of that prayer, he includes us in that prayer. Uh, one of his uh, comments in verse 15 of chapter 17, he says, listen, God, I, I know that they can't be out of the world because they're human beings. It's necessary that they live in the world, but I want you to protect them from the evil one. Uh, and so Jesus is praying that we kind of surround ourselves with the ability to negotiate the things that Satan throws our way. And certainly great friends are, is a, a way to do that, to accomplish that. We started this kind of uh, catchphrase last week, and we'll use it all through this series, and that is, you show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. In any given moment, we can know exactly the direction you're going by the kind of folks that you run around with. And, and you know, Jesus' prayer is kind of a one-two punch. It's difficult in a lot of ways because we are called to live in the world. We're called to be that example to those around us of the life that God's called us to live, but we're not to, 
to follow the script of the world. And so hear me, throughout this entire series, I'm not asking us to segregate ourselves from the world. That is far from what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is in our own lives, those very few friends that we have very close to us need to be folks that have the same goals in mind, living out the life that God's called us to live through his son, Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we're going to take a look at over these next few weeks. Uh, The writer of Proverbs is the wisest guy ever to live, Solomon. And he says in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20, he says, Walk with the wise and become wise, associate with fools, and get in trouble. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say any one of us could probably have said that. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure that that's the wisest thing. I mean, it would take a lot of brain power to come up with that, but it is extremely wise You and I surround ourselves with people each and every day. And Solomon reminds us, man, if you want to go far in life, if you want to be the person God's called you to be, then you need to surround yourself with folks who have that kind of mentality in life. If you want to go the other direction, then you're going to get in a lot of trouble along the way. I mean, you want to to move forward in life, you want to be the person God's called you to be, you need to be with people that you admire and respect, people that you want to kind of be like. When you see the godly attributes in some folks that we run into each and every day, and they're, they're attributes that you want to be a part of, then you can buy into that, or you can make the other assumption. If, if you want to run around with folks in your life who are making very poor life decisions, who are self-centered in their approach to life, who really don't care much about anything but themselves, my guess would be in our life, we're going to become a lot like those folks. We become like the folks that we hang around with, so you want to be a generous person. You find someone who's figured out out how to be the most generous person in life, and you take notes from them. You hang out with them. You want to be someone who really serves in life, that looks a lot like Jesus Christ. You find folks who are mission-minded, who want to be out in the community telling the story of Christ in various and different ways, who are on mission trips like our Honduras crew right now who are on location in Honduras. You, you get around those folks who really want to serve. You, you want to be financially sound. Then you find folks who know how to create a budget, who, who know how to live within their means. And you kind of take notes from how they live life. You, you find a Dave Ramsey and you become friends with Oge, Dave. If you want a great marriage, you find folks who, who have a great marriage, who, who know how to pour into each other and, and take notes from that couple. What is it that they do in life that makes them so successful? But you want to get in trouble. Well, you can find those folks too. And you take notes from the folks that get in trouble, and my guess will be you're going to get in trouble. My mom always said, nothing good happens after midnight. Anybody ever hear that? (laughs) Nothing good happens after midnight. When I was a young man, I thought that's the most foolish piece of advice I've ever heard. It's exciting after midnight. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that is so true. Nothing good happens after midnight, and my guess is I've run across folks that have stories about their uh, escapades out into the neighborhoods after midnight, and they get in trouble, and I'm saying, yep, there it goes. Mom's right on the money. But in my own life, you know, my failures and my successes have been absolutely correlated with the people I was running around with. If If I failed in life, I could take a look at those closest around me in the moment and realize that's why I failed. Or if I've been successful, it's because I've chosen to go a different route. I rarely got in trouble when I was by myself. And that may be because there was no one around to tell on me. That's possible. (laughs) But 
There are great moments, too, when you surround yourself with great people and you end up getting in trouble anyway. I'm thinking about a story in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Uh, there was a, a deacon in our church there. His daughters had toilet papered my house. And I waited a few weeks, and I said, it's payback time, right? And so me and some of the youth group guys, we got together about 1 or 2 in the morning and went over to this deacon's house, and we, we each had a 24-pack roll of Angel Soft. We got the good stuff. Oh, yeah. And so we're, we're there... Um, at his house, it's late at night, and we're doing a great number on his front yard. And then at the very far end of the street, we see some headlights turn in, and it's again one or two in the morning. And there was a car parked in their driveway, and it was right up against the garage door. So the three of us went around to the front of that car, and we squatted down between the garage door and the, and the car. And the car drives slowly down and eventually turns into this driveway. Well, that deacon had gone duck hunting with another deacon, and they drove all night to get home. Now, what do we do? We've got nowhere to go. And eventually, they got out of the car, and we could hear them talking. Hey, I think we caught him in the middle of it. Look, there's still toilet paper right here in the driveway. And eventually, all three of us had to stand up and take our lumps. There are moments when you're with friends that you think are friends, and you get caught in the process. And that's okay. Those gray areas are a lot of fun sometimes. But over the next four weeks, I want you to think about who your best buds are, who your besties are. The the folks that are very close to you, typically that's about three to five people in your life. I mean, the folks that you would just go to the nth degree with, they they could call you at two in the morning and you would be there. Who are those people in your life? And again, I, I want you to really think about this. We're not talking about your dog. We're not talking about your goldfish. We're not talking about a family member. No, I'm talking about someone who's not related to you that you would consider your very best bud. So for you, maybe, maybe it's a high school friend. You guys tried out for the cheerleading squad together, maybe the football team in the 10th grade, and you've been best buds ever since. You hang out together. You do life together. Maybe, maybe it's somebody in your neighborhood. You're a stay-at-home mom, and you found someone else in your neighborhood that's a stay-at-home mom as well, and you guys hit it off. You're in each other's homes all the time talking about life and kids and, and how to navigate the things that come your way. Or, or maybe it's the office buddy. You've got a cubicle beside him or her, and you talk a lot about life. You go to lunch together. You're in each other's homes. Those folks that you choose to hang out with and be a part of their life, that person that you would call at the drop of a hat if something terrible was going on in your life, two in the morning. And they would be there if you ask them to be there. Most of us have three, maybe five people in our life that we could call on for any of those moments. Sociologists say that most of us are the average of our five closest friends. We're an average in there. So you're somewhere in the middle. So maybe you've got, uh, if you take a look at your finances across the board, You're in the middle. You're not the wealthiest person in your friend group, but you're probably a little better off than maybe one or two of the others. Morally speaking, maybe you are hanging out with uh, the the folks who help you be that better person, but you've got folks maybe in your friend group that are not making some great decisions in life right now. Maybe spiritually speaking, you've got at least two or three in that five who have the same spiritual goals in life that you've got. And you kind of lean into them and you kick things around theologically. What's it like to be a person who follows Jesus Christ? Mom always said, you're going to be just like the people that you run around with. And that is so very true. 
So the question to kick things off this morning with is, are you hanging with the right people? We talked about this last week. Who are the right people? And we're going to define that as we go along here. Who do you want to become like in your life? Again, you want to be financially sound. You want a great marriage. You want to be a good friend. You want to be physically fit. You need to be hanging around the folks that you admire the most in those categories. I want to start off with a definition for friendship. It's from the FBV version. It says this. A friend is someone you may or may not know well who accepts your friend request on Facebook. This person is born to like and comment on your post to make you feel good about yourself. Now, we chuckle at that, but really, we're leaning into social media quite a bit, aren't we? I mean, we rely on those friends that we have on Facebook. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about it in staff here on Facebook Who really are our friends? Because my guess is if you're like me, you've got several hundred friends on Facebook. And social media is beginning to define how we look at friendships and relationships. My guess is out of all the hundreds of people that you're friends with on Facebook, there's really just three, four that you really would count on in a pinch. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17. Solomon says this. A friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. You see, those closest friends to you are the folks that you can lean into when life gets tough, when decision-making gets almost impossible, and you can ask their opinion. They're, They're the folks that you do life together with. That maybe if you get off the track just a little bit, they're going to kick you back on because they know that you together are headed toward the cross of Christ. You want to be the person that God's called you to be. And so they don't mind telling you and reminding you who you are called to be. You learn from one another about work ethic, about how to raise kids, about how to be the right spouse to the person that you're married to. You cry together, you celebrate together. And you realize over time that it is a decades-long journey that reality says, I'm with this person for a very long time. It's about relationship. And that's what we're really called to, I think, biblically and scripturally. We're called to be in relationship, whether it's beautiful or not, whether in moments where we are having a bad spell, so to speak. Those folks don't walk away. They simply hug us up and let us know that we're loved. The American Sociological Review says that today, on average, Americans have two close and trusted friends. We would probably say and agree with that. Yeah, that's, that's probably true. I have at least two close and trusted friends. However, think about this. 25 years ago, that number was actually six. And so our, our close and trusted folks that we run around with are, are diminishing, getting smaller and smaller. There are some reasons for that, I think. Presently, one in four says they have no close or trusted friends. Nobody they have a relationship with that they think they could pour their life into. And my guess is if we looked at their Facebook account, they would have hundreds that they would call friends. But nobody. Why is that? Well, one reason might be the increasing work hours that exist for us here in America. 
we are constantly driven to produce more, and our bosses are looking at us to produce more. And so the week uh, gets longer and longer. The hours that we work every day get longer and longer, and that diminishes the amount of time that we've got to actually build relationship with those around us, even within our family. It shortens that time. We also have the idea of the rising divorce rate. In other words, if you think about it, if you've been a part of that or you've seen it happen, most couples have friends that are couples as well. And in a divorce scenario, typically friends take sides. And so you may lose friends in that scenario if that's happened to you or you know someone that's happened. The last thing is this, the explosion of social media. And I've already attended to this a little bit. Now, I love social media. I've got a Twitter account on Instagram, Facebook, etc. And I love it when my boys send me uh, a Snapchat of something that they're doing at home um, or some event that they're on with their friends or they text me before any given moment and they say, hey, Dad, just thinking about you, want you to know that I love you. So I love social media. I think it's awesome. But social media, again, is defining how we think about our friends and our relationships rather than looking at what Scripture really calls us to live that out in our relationships. Last week, uh, Cale put me onto this uh, idea to take a look at this TED Talk. I don't know how many of you have ever seen those, but basically several years ago, a wealthy man decided to have uh, some people who are very experts in their field come in and talk for just 20 minutes about their particular subject that they were an expert in their field in. And that has grown and grown, and now uh, lots of people go to see these TED Talks. They're made public. You can find them on YouTube, and any given subject matter is out there to talk about. But the one Cale mentioned to me, he said, hey, you should check out Sherry Turkle. She wrote a book called Alone Together, and I posted it last week on my Facebook account. It was a great 20 minutes worth of information. But Sherry basically is reminding us of the physical nature of our relationship with one another, that we need to be hanging out with one another. We need to be in each other's lives. We need to be eyeball to eyeball, so to speak. But no, we we get on our, our Instagram and other places and we post our emotional state with no real feedback on why we feel that way or how someone might could help us work through that. We simply get likes or now the emoji cons with the angry face. We post what we're eating for breakfast and what we're putting on that oatmeal. I don't know. And we're waiting for those likes to happen. We're out in public somewhere, and, and we take a selfie in front of some particular object, and we, we pose for that, however that might look, and that might not be the right shot, and so we delete that picture when we get another pose because we want just the right shot to post on our social media, and then we put a filter on it so it looks absolutely fabulous, and we wait to see how many people like it, and I think the Bible calls us to be in one another's lives. There's nothing wrong with social media, but it needs to be a supplement for relationships, not a replacement for relationships. We are called to dig into each other's lives, to go to, go to coffee together, go to dinner together, to go to the theater together, to be in each other's homes, to go to each other's kids' ball games. I don't know about you, but man, I crave face-to-face interaction with people. I've got enough social media and enough internet I need time with God's people. The rest of our time today, I, I, 
the short time we've got, I, I want to talk about the friend that you and I need to be if we truly want friends like that. If we truly want to be the person God's called us to be, we have to be that friend initially. And over the 24 years in ministry, I've had lots of discussions about people who who are leaving the church or walking out the door absolutely frustrated. And as I talk to them, they're, they're really upset that no one talked to me at church today. And when I dig a little deeper into the story, what I find is that they kind of scurried away to a corner somewhere in the building and they're upset because no one talked to them. No one came by to see me today. And I want to encourage us We've got to be that friend if we want those types of friends. We, we can't go hide out. We, we can't come late and leave early and expect people to have a relationship with us. As God's people, we should want to be together. And so two quick things, and we'll call it a morning. One is this. I think that we're called to live in the now. Be present with your relationships. You and I need to make a commitment that, that I'm going to develop my relationships eye-to-eye and not thumb-to-thumb. Eye-to-eye and not thumb-to-thumb. You know, Jesus didn't say to his disciples when he called them, he, he didn't say, look, here's a book, go read that about me, and when you're done, come back and see me. That's not the way Jesus did it. What he said was, I want you to come and follow me, let's do life together. And that's exactly what he and the disciples did. They walked together. They journeyed from town to town together. They ate together. They hung out and played together. They fished together. They were a part of the miraculous scene and teaching together. Now, granted, they didn't have social media in the moment, but they chose to be in each other's lives. I don't know about you. Robert and I like to when we're out in public, just kind of observe kind of how people are interacting and what's going on in their life. And it's always interesting to me, we we could be at the theater standing in line or actually sitting already, and you look around and there will be families, entire families on their phone, not talking to each other. We'll go out to a restaurant, there'll be an entire family sitting at a table eating, not talking to each other because they're on their phone. You can go almost to any public place and see people who are busy doing this rather than interacting together. And relationship, folks, is that's what's going to get me through this life. That's what's going to help me live that ignited life better. And although I like you to like my picture, I want to talk to you face to face. I want to be a part of the way God's designed us to be. The writer in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 24, says this. He says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. The writer of Hebrews had something there. He said, we need to be together. We need to motivate one another. And coming together on a Sunday morning and as we praise Jesus together, as we look across the aisle, I love our welcome time. For some folks, that's a little uncomfortable. But that two or three minutes that we walk around and hug each other and welcome, man, that is so powerful. That physical touch, that just eye to eye saying, man, I'm glad that you're here. So very powerful. That Greek word that's used there by the Hebrew writer that's That means meeting together. It's only used two times in the New Testament. The other time is in Matthew. And it literally means coming together physically for a spiritual end result. 
And the writer says we need to come together as God's people because that motivates us to love and good works. I remember in 1979, my family of five, we flew to Vanuatu, which is an island chain in the South Pacific by Fiji. I know, those people needed Jesus too. We went. It, it's beautiful. If you look closely there in about the middle of the picture, those buildings with the red roofs on it, that's the British primary school where I went to fifth and sixth grade. Pretty cool place. But when we got off the plane, guess what? No one was there at the airport to meet us because we were starting the church. No one there cared whether we were there or not. We were there one year, and it was the longest year of our life. Dad got a... a place set up downtown, a little um, office area, and every Sunday, the five of us were in his office, and I would lead singing as a 12-year-old. My brothers would say the opening and closing prayer. My dad would preach to all four of us. That was fun. (laughs) And toward the end of our stay there, we were there only a year, but it was depressing. It was tough because we didn't have this. We long to sneak into a church and just sit on the back row and just soak up the praise and worship, to soak up the elbow to elbow. That's how God's created us to be together. When I lived at OP Overland Park, I had a friend by the name of Brandon Steffen. Brandon, when he was a teenager, had gotten cancer and uh, was in remission a little bit, but then it came back, and uh, Brandon died when he was 20. I remember being going to the ICU room uh, the Thursday morning that he passed early, and I walked into the room, and Brandon was still laying in bed. His mother was laying in bed with him, and she was absolutely sobbing, as any of us would be. Dad was there. He was sobbing. Brandon's brother and sister was there, and they were sobbing. And I walked in, and I said, nothing. What are you going to say in that moment? I hugged all of them that I could, and I went to the window, and I began sobbing. And I said some prayer quietly for the family while I was there, and then eventually I left. And after this was all over, and Brandon was buried, and the family had a few weeks of that behind them, they wrote a letter to me and told me how much that meant to them that I came to the hospital room, and I was like, I didn't do anything. I cried with you, and they said, that's exactly right. That's the point. You journeyed with us in the moment. Just being present is so powerful for God's people. Just being together in the moment, so incredibly power. I mean, what if for the people who you really cared for in life, what if you made a decision to be really present for them in the moment? Well, what if when you did go out for coffee or you went out for dinner, you didn't take your phone out and lay it on the table in case you got that all-important text or phone call, but you kept it in your pocket or in your purse, and you just sat eyeball to eyeball talking about life. What if, while talking to your very closest friends, you didn't look at your watch to see what time it was? It's time to move on. What if you prioritize the people in your life and say, I'm not going to let social media rule me, but I'm going to be present in this moment? And the second thing I would ask you to think about is to be transparent to be open in your relationships. The newest phobia that is out there in the mainstream is answering the phone. 
Why is that? Most of us might get a phone call. We might even get a text. We might silence that phone call, let it go to voicemail, because then I can listen to the voicemail. I know who's on the other end of the line, and I know what you want. Then I can carefully craft my answer or excuse, right, and then call you back or text you back. If I answer the phone, I have no control over what happens. I don't know what you want from me, and I'll be kind of caught flat-footed. Fear of answering the phone, number one newest fear. We are losing the art of conversation amongst people. And as God's people, we need to be leading the forefront in that regard. James chapter 5 and verse 16 says this, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, I think James is talking about confession of sin, just kind of airing with, with those closest people to you to say, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. This is who I am. But on a, a different level, we're just called to be open with folks to say, listen, I'm going to drop the mask. This is what I'm struggling with today. This is where I'm at. We need to really work on being real and authentic and being present in the moment with folks who are around us. We have a, a ministry here we call Connect Groups. Now, I want to say that Connect Groups are not going to solve everything in the world. We're still working on some things. Why? Because they're full of people. So we don't always get it right. We don't always say the right things. We don't always do the right things. But in our Connect Group or small group systems here at Crosspoint, it's a place where you can plug in and get to know some people, where you can talk theologically about what God's calling us to do in life, how we're called to live. You can talk about how to raise the kids or, or maybe if you're having some marital issue, how, how you can get that resolved. It's a great place just to, just to say, let's be real and authentic for a minute. I don't have it all together. And guess what? You don't either. None of us do. All of us need the Holy Spirit in our life. All of us, as Jim said, need Jesus' blood to wash us and cleanse us. Why? Because we absolutely need a Savior. We need the hope that he offers us. We won't always get it right. But I'm calling us this morning to think about, can we start moving in that direction? Can we drop the mask and just say, you know what, you're right. I'm going to be the friend that Jesus was to all those he came in touch with. I'm going to be real. I'm going to be authentic. And I'm just going to be present in the moment. I'm going to put my phone away. I'm going to stop looking at my... I'm, I'm going to eyeball to eyeball, not thumb to thumb. We're going to be in relationship together because that's how God's called us to be. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. I want the type of friends around me that are going to help me live that ignited lifestyle to tell the story of Christ in numerous and various ways. I'm going to ask Brad and the praise team to come back to the stage at this time. And as we do every Sunday, our shepherds and their wives will be gathered around the wall of this room. Maybe something's going on in your life that you just need some prayer and blessing over. And I want to encourage you to go find one of those shepherds and let them pray over you. Let them lay hands on you and, and just talk about what's going on in your life. My hope is that the Holy Spirit is going to move through you to do some powerful things in the relationships that you have. And this week, you're going to start the journey toward being the friend that God's called us to be. Let's stand together.